Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are almost there, ladies and gentlemen. We are almost done with the dog days of summer. That weird lull between spring practices and summer training camp. And I'm going to be here with you all the way to the end, to the end of the line, ladies and gentlemen. And one of the things I like about the dog days of summer is it allows you an excuse to do some more creative things. So here's what we got coming up on the Bruce exclusive. Today's episode is going to be on prognostication. Tomorrow's episode of the Bruce exclusive is going to be a listener generated 53 man roster projection. I sure hope it goes well. It is my final live show on Spotify green room. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, the 15th before 7 PM Eastern time, join me on Spotify green room and you can be part of the 53 man roster projection before we get to training camp next week. On Thursday's episode, we're going to talk about a thought experiment that I designed called the pie of winning. You all are familiar that when the games are over during the regular season, I do a little trick called the plurality pie. I do this primarily to help myself and others remember that it's never one person's fault. It's never one person's credit. Football is an extremely complicated team sport. Well, what if I did the plurality pie, but I did it at a bigger level? I did it in regards to what helps a team win on a macro level. What percentage of winning can be assigned to quarterback play versus head coaching versus organizational culture versus ball carrying versus receiving and so on and so forth. And I think it's a valuable thought experiment, not because there's a right or wrong answer, It's not about coming up with the right or wrong answer. It's about coming up with your own personal philosophy. As you sit down to do this thought experiment, you start to sort of reveal your own biases and your own leanings. And that can tell you a little bit about yourself. And that little introspection can maybe help us communicate a little bit better. So that's coming on the Thursday pod. On the Friday pod for next week, there's a surprise. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but I will let you know soon. So today's episode is about prognostication, not just in general, but also it's important for us to look back on some of the prognostications that we've made, see whether or not they were right, see whether or not they were wrong, see why they were right, see why they were wrong so we can get better. That's how you get better. You go back and you watch game film. You listen to your old podcasts. I have listened to my old podcasts. Some of them I feel really good about. Some of them I feel less good about. When you have talked for as many hours as I have talked, 
there's a lot of tape out there for people like me. A lot of it. In October of 2021, we are coming up on it right now. There will be three years of podcasts for Bruce Nolan. It feels like I just started five seconds ago. I still feel like a newbie. I still feel like I've got so much to learn, but three years. That's a lot of game film to go back through. And there's a lot of learning that can be done from it if you're willing to do it. The problem is we're not willing to do it. We love to go back and dunk on other people when they prognosticate things incorrectly. I've had a dunk or two myself in my day. We do not like to go back and dunk on ourselves. We do not like to do that, even if we could learn from it. Because learning isn't really the goal. Just being right is. All we care about is being right. We don't care about the process. We don't care about what leads you to W's. We just care about the W's. You may recall me stating on multiple different occasions when it comes to the Bills and winning games that how and why are more important interrogatives than what. How you win and why you win are more important than the fact that you won. Because it helps predict future W's. The W itself doesn't predict future W's. How and why you won predicts future W's. It's the exact same thing here. I don't know who needs to hear this, but the fact that you were right doesn't mean you're going to be right in the future. The fact that you were wrong doesn't mean you're going to be wrong in the future. It matters why you were right and why you were wrong, but that's complicated and we don't want to mess with it. So we don't. We take our W's and we ignore our L's. You all may remember, I did a podcast last offseason called Taking the L and how important it is to be able to recognize the L's. But prognostication is given its greatest value, not through the W, not through the L, but through the reinvestigation. Prognostication without reinvestigation loses a lot of its usefulness. And that's what we're going to do. We are going to go back to three prognostications that I made last offseason. We're going to evaluate how I did. We're going to evaluate why I was right or wrong. And we're going to figure out what we can learn from any of them. The most significant prognostication that I made last year was in regards to the regression of the Buffalo Bills defense. Prognostication is not a big part of what we do on the Bruce Exclusive. It's not a big part of what I do. Predictions are weird for me. I am much better at explaining what happened than predicting what's going to happen. Because as I've mentioned on more than a few occasions, football isn't a game of possibilities. It's a game of probabilities. Because lots of things are possible. So, Bruce, is this possible? Sure, it's possible. That's why the almighty takes that I get from you all during the season get put into highly probable, somewhat probable, somewhat improbable, or highly improbable. I don't go zero to 100. I go like 20 to 80. Because I recognize that there's no such thing as 100. And there's no such thing as zero in the NFL. So prognostication is not a big part of what I do. But when I do prognosticate, I want to make sure that my methods are sound. And I wrote an article last year for Buffalo Rumblings called Predicting Defensive Regression. 
four factors that could affect the Buffalo Bills. And I did a podcast on it because defensive success year over year has proven difficult in the NFL. So the natural discussion point was, is the Bills defense going to regress? And I used four specific prongs to determine whether or not I thought the defense for the Buffalo Bills was going to regress in 2021. The first one was, was the adjusted sack rate of the teams unsustainable? Because there were two defenses that I used as part of my research project, and it was the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars and the 2018 Chicago Bears. Because if you remember correctly, that was the narrative that Josh Allen was just Blake Bortles. Josh Allen is just Mitchell Trubisky. The Bills are the 17 Jags. The Bills are the 18 Bears. I'm so glad we don't have to deal with those narratives. But now there's new narratives. Now they're much more flattering narratives. Now we're having the who's better, Josh Allen or former MVP Lamar Jackson conversation on social media, which is a lot better than who's better, Josh Allen or Blake Bortles. I vastly prefer this argument to the last one. But it's just part of the narrative vacuum. When one narrative leaves, something will rise to take its place. But the first point was adjusted sack rate and is it unsustainable? The second was, was the defensive production due in large part due to turnovers and or defensive touchdowns? Why? Because those things have a tendency to be random. Number three was, did the team lose significant defensive personnel or coaching? And number four was, did the team face a markedly below average slate of quarterbacks? These four questions and the answers to them, I believed could help us determine whether or not a defense was going to regress the following year. My conclusion was this. The Bills defense was unlikely to regress to the same level seen from the 2017 Jaguars and the 2018 Bears. Although... The quarterbacks the Bills are scheduled to face are more formidable than those they saw in 19. That by itself would not appear to be significant enough to cause the type of drop necessary to invalidate the defense being a meaningful contributor to a potential playoff team. Basically, I said, yeah, they could regress. If they do, it'll be because of the quality of the quarterbacks they faced and I don't think that by itself is enough to cause them to bottom out to the point where it's going to hinder a potential playoff team now I wasn't super specific with that so there was some vagueness for sure it wasn't like I said I think they're going to go from fourth to 15th in yards that's what I think the bills end up regressing to 15th in the NFL in yards per play tied for 15th with the Chargers the Browns the Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks, along with the Green Bay Packers, all tied for 15th in the NFL for yards per play. The previous season, they were fourth. That's where I was getting the fourth and the 15th from. So there was regression. And the quarterbacks that they played were a big part of that. They had some injuries. That's part of it. But I think overall, when I look back at this, and I look at the method by which I predicted it, Adjusted sack rate, defensive touchdowns and turnovers, loss of significant defensive personnel or coaching, the quarterbacks you faced. I think that's a pretty good way of attempting to predict whether or not the defense is going to have a regression. So I won't be making an adjustment to this particular process when I am attempting to project defensive regression in the future. 
I don't see a need to. I think it did its job. When I looked through it and I saw, okay, of the four factors, one of them was present, which was the Bills did not face a great slate of quarterbacks in 2019. They were better quarterbacks in 2020 than in 2019. So for me, I think I'm going to keep it. I think this is reasonable. As you go back and look, I think I did okay. I give myself a good solid C plus on this particular prognostication. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We've got two more 2020 prognostications to go through. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We have been talking about prognostication in general, but also some specific things that I prognosticated last year and how I did. The first major one we went over was the prediction of defensive regression by the Buffalo Bills. And what I said was, I don't think it's going to regress to the level that you saw from the 17 Jags and the 18 Bears. And if it does regress, I think it'll be because they faced a better slate of quarterbacks. And that ended up being mostly true. Now, the Bills defense did regress. And based on what metric you end up using, you can make an argument they actually regressed a little bit worse than Chicago and Jacksonville did from 17 to 18 and from 18 to 19. But as I look through the process, I think to myself, okay, I'm feeling fine with that. I'm feeling fine with that. That was a perfectly average take. It wasn't a win. It wasn't really a loss. It was somewhere in between. It was, eh, it was okay. I gave myself a good solid C plus on it. And I don't think I'm making changes to that moving forward. I'll keep monitoring it, see if there's a better way to do that. But there's two other prognostications that I made last offseason. The first of which was the Buffalo Bills record. I predicted the Bills to be 9-7 and seven last year. That was a swing and a miss. Bills were 13-3. and three. And the last two prognostications are tied together. The first one is the 9-7. and seven. The second one is I predicted Josh Allen to take a minor step forward. I predicted him to throw for a little bit more yards, have a little bit of an uptick, in completion percentage, a little bit of an uptick in touchdown percentage, and a little bit of a downtick in interception percentage. I predicted him to not plateau, but to get a little bit better, a step forward. I did not predict, like many people did not predict, a leap forward. Those two things are related. I mentioned multiple times over the course of the 2020 season that if the Bills have 2019 Josh Allen, They lose that game because as we mentioned, the defense did regress a little bit in 2020. They're hoping they can recapture their form in 2021. And without a dominant defense, if you had 2019 Josh Allen, I don't think the bills win a lot of games. 
They might win some. And quite frankly, I think they do get to nine and seven. I think the Bills, if Josh Allen hits my own prognosticated metrics for what I thought he was going to be going into 2020, I think they are a nine and seven team because the defense regressed. And Josh Allen, thankfully, was there with the passing offense to help win games like the first Miami game and the Los Angeles Rams game and the Colts playoff game. Without 2020 Josh Allen, there's a very reasonable chance the Bills are 9-7. and seven. Maybe they get to 10-6, and six, squeak into the playoffs, losing the wild card round again the way they did with the Houston Texans. But we're certainly not having conversations right now about Josh Allen being a top five quarterback. We are not having conversations on the internet about who is better, Josh Allen or former league MVP Lamar Jackson. That's not happening if 2019 Josh Allen is the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills in 2020. The way that I have historically gone about arriving at my schedule predictions is I first tier all the quarterbacks, which you've already seen me do this offseason, and then I tier all the head coaches. And I have a very simple flow chart. I go through, and the first thing I do is compare quarterbacks. If the quarterbacks are two tiers apart, I will take the team with the highest quarterback and move on. If they are within one tier of each other, then I will move to head coach. If the head coaches are two tiers apart, I will then take the team with the head coach who's two tiers above the other one. If they are also within one tier of each other, then I will move on to more granular items. I will move on to things like defensive scheme, Fit, matchup, time of year, time of rest, things like that. But that's historically the way I have picked games. And that's the way I arrived at the Buffalo Bills being 9-7. and seven. And if Josh Allen, who I believe took a two-tier jump up in 2020, if he didn't make that two-tier jump up, I do think the Bills are probably 9-7. and seven. And we've all talked about how incredibly improbable that jump was. I've classified him as Josh Allen the improbable for the purposes of this podcast because it's so awesome and so amazing and so unique as to what we've seen from quarterbacks in the past. So when I look at all these things and I look at the method by which I arrived at nine and seven, the next thing is, should I change it? I think the answer is yes. I think you should change it. I think that what I'm going to do is I'm going to still value the tiers of quarterbacks and the tiers of coaching, but I'm going to assign a point value to them instead of being super binary. Because you see teams with lesser quarterbacks beat teams with better quarterbacks all the time. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to work on this for probably next offseason. I probably don't have time to work on it and get it done before the start of the season. But the improbability of Josh Allen has caused me to change a little bit of how I pick games moving forward. This ties in with the pie of winning discussion we're going to have next week. If I think the quarterbacks are 20% or 30% or 38% or 42% or whatever it is, if I think they're that percentage of effect on winning with the total being 100%, then 
I don't think wins are a quarterback stat because it's not enough. If I think quarterbacks are 38% of the reason why you win, that's not enough to grant him the entire stat. And if it's not enough to grant him the entire stat, then why would I be using that as a binary at the beginning of my predictions on who's going to win and lose a game? So my nine and seven prediction did not end up being true. But more importantly, why did it end up not being true? I think it's just a little too simple. So I'm going to work on that for next off season. So when I'm doing a prediction for this particular upcoming season, I'll probably have to use some sort of weird hybrid because it won't be done yet. But more importantly, it's not about me being wrong. It's about why I was wrong. Now, part of it's just because I didn't predict Josh Allen to be an MVP candidate last year. I don't think it's insane. But we should evaluate why we come up with conclusions. We should evaluate how we arrived there. And if the process was good, then the result can be bad occasionally, and that's okay. The result can be bad a lot of times. Just because you miss on a draft pick doesn't mean you redo your entire scouting process. Your entire scouting process might not be wrong. Your process could be fine. You just made a bad call. And that happens. And that's okay. So that was my 9-7 and seven prediction. And that was tied in with my Josh Allen prediction. Which was just based on, I thought he was going to take a, a small step forward. I don't think the step forward from 18 to 19 was huge. The step forward from 18 to 19 was notable. It was, it was a step forward. I predicted a very similar step forward from 18 to 19 as from 19 to 20. So, again, I have no problem with that. A second-year massive leap didn't happen. Third-year massive leaps essentially never happen. So, I'm fine with my prediction of Josh. I was wrong. Absolutely, I was wrong. Josh Allen did not take a small step forward. He took a gigantic leap forward. One small step for man, one giant leap for Josh Allen. That's what happened. So I'm fine with it. If I had to do it again, knowing exactly what I knew, I'd come up with the same thing. I don't think I missed anything. Josh Allen just did something that was an outlier, which I'm fine with. So if you take the three things I prognosticated last year, the defensive regression, the 9-7 and seven record, and Josh Allen, you can make an argument all three of them were varying degrees of incorrect. The defensive regression one was somewhere in the middle, between right and wrong, it was okay. I gave myself a C plus. The nine and seven one, probably a D. The Josh Allen one, is there something lower than an F? Can I do that? But it doesn't really matter if you got it right or wrong. What matters is how you got there and if that's sustainable moving forward. I think the defensive regression process is solid. I think the predicting of Josh Allen's step forward from 19 to 20 being similar to his step forward from 18 to 19, I think that's reasonable. I think some adjustments can be made to the method by which I pick games to come up with a better record prediction system without just throwing crap at a wall because I don't throw crap at a wall. That's not what I do. But I thought this was a valuable exercise, not just to go back and say, let's dunk on Bruce. He got everything wrong. 
But why did I get it wrong? What was the process? Is the process solid? Or is there something wrong with the process? Now that I've seen how this all story plays out, what was the journey really like? And that I think is valuable. I think it's important to do it right now before I get constantly tied up in other stuff. Before I'm just diving into the week-to-week grind where everything is dissecting narratives from that game, talking about the next game, next game, last game, last game, next game. We get in this habit and then when the summer comes, we just forget about all the stuff we said. And no one has to be held accountable for anything they say. So let's examine our own processes. Let's examine the methods by which we arrive at these conclusions so we can learn and get better. So now I have a new project for the next year. You will get a chance to hear the culmination of a project I've been working on. Not this upcoming Friday, but the Friday after that. But next year, hopefully, I can get done with a new method of picking schedules. I think it'll be fun. And until that happens, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rockets.